1: What's going on everybody and welcome to another edition of Believe in the Rockets only on the Believe Podcast Network. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, Rockets insider for the Dream Shake, a part of SB Nation. And ladies and gentlemen, today I am pleased to have with me One of, if not the best beat writer in the world. And I'm not saying that because he's on the podcast today. I'm saying that because I truly believe in and enjoy his work. I am sure you guys are familiar with his work. He is the Rockets beat reporter over at The Athletic. Please welcome Mr. Kelly Eco. Kelly, what's going on, bro? What's going on, Cody? Appreciate you for having me on. Yes, sir. And I actually appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come on this show. Now, before we start talking about the Houston Rockets, I just have to ask, is everyone in your family doing okay? And how is this quarantine life treating you?
0: Yeah, uh, obviously, you know, when everything first started, it was some panic, some fear, some confusion, just how everything was unfolding. But as the days turned into weeks and the weeks now turn into almost two months, you kind of get into a rhythm. The days get easier. The one thing I will say is that the days go by a lot quicker now than before during the season. But for the most part, it's been been pretty good. Um, It's a time where, you know, you have to get really creative with your content. Mm -hmm. It's a time where you have to rely on your relationships with the team and players and stuff like that. Um, Obviously, it's a time to reflect, you know, possibly learn some new things about yourself about other people, and this time is supposed to be, you know, a time for growth, you know. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's a a pandemic going on, and and a lot of people are dying, a lot of people are sick, but, you know, at the end of all this, the hope is that we'll come out stronger, we'll come out, you know, more prepared for the future, because obviously this is not the first and this is not the last, you know, virus that will come to this country, to the world, so. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that this overall period is supposed to be something to learn from. As a writer for
1: the athletic, it is a subscription based website that provides some of the best stories on your favorite players and teams from some of the best group of writers in the world. And ladies and gentlemen, if you have not done so, please subscribe to the athletic people. It's only around 50 to $60 per year. And, I'm a living witness. You will not regret it. And Kelly, correct me if I'm wrong right now. The athletic is doing a 90 day free trial, correct?
0: Yeah. 90 days, you know, free. It's It's been really helpful to get a lot of people to, you know, see just what we have at the athletic. But it's a good it's a really good promotion going on right now.
1: Cool. Cool. The last post I read from you was called Rich Man, Poor Man. Eric Gordon opens up about a year to forget in which the rocket swingman opens up about dealing with the lingering knee issues that he was trying to play with throughout the season um if you don't mind can you just go into a quick summary of that article and to me i'm hoping that this hiatus that the nba period has been on is something that's going to help him in the long run
0: yeah uh obviously eric is a guy who you know the rockets kind of lean on just because He's supposed to be that 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 third scorer after James and Russ, and he's exp- extremely important to their small ball lineup. What they want to do, you know, switching everything, you know, being a playmaker, shooter, scorer, defender, and the fact that this season has gone anything but his expectations was kind of a blow for them. You know, with the knee injury, having to miss nearly eight weeks of games, and you know, the NBA is different than than, than real life. In real life, if you if you're out for maybe six to eight weeks. You know, it's like a month and a half. But if you do that in NBA time, that's almost a lifetime. So yeah. the fact that he constantly kept trying to catch up with the rest of the guys, and his shooting percentage were their way down, he didn't look. He was moving slowly. He gained weight. You know, and it was, it was it was an unfortunate year for him. So luckily for him, he's able to use this time to recuperate, rest and recover. And the hope for him is that. You know, if NBA does return, he's 100% ready to go. So that was the, the whole crux of, you know, talking to him on the phone.
1: That article actually summarized everything that I've been thinking about because this year it was kind of brutal watching Eric Gordon out on the court. And I knew something was wrong with him. And the day that you referenced to of him dressed up in all black was, I believe it was the same day when Mike D'Antoni announced that he would be out. I actually remember that day and actually seeing him walk in earlier cause you know, the rockers always have the reporters, um, you know, wait, in that waiting area. And right. I remember seeing him come in that day dressed in all black, you know, walking with kind of a limp. And I'm like, ah, something's not right. And then, you know, unfortunately we get the news. But um, I haven't got a chance to read your latest article, um, the one that you did on Daniel House. But I must say, my favorite piece that you ever did was the one that you dropped last summer, like right before the season started. You went into... You you did a story on Gerald Green. I can't remember the title, but you did a story okay, on okay. Gerald Green. Yeah,
0: that yeah. that
1: that right there was my favorite story that you ever did because you, you uh-huh. talked about him coming back to the team. You talked about him, um, you know, being from Houston and the way you described the court because I believe he was practicing, it, if I'm not
0: mistaken. Yeah, he was, he was going through a training session with Kenny Ellis, so.
1: Yeah, yeah. That was by far is my favorite piece that you ever did. And hopefully, you know, we get Gerald Green back in Houston. But, you know, as a Houston sports reporter, and I'm sure you can probably agree to this, too. Houston teams always give you something to talk about. And this situation (laughs) with the Rockets has gotten real interesting. So let's jump into things. And um, going into the season. The number one topic surrounding the Rockets outside of the Harding and Westbrook pairing was Mike D'Antoni's contract situation and his future with the team. Now, we all know that he is a free agent once the season concludes, and last week, News broke that the Brooklyn Nets are interesting in hiring Dan Tony to take over their vacant coaching job. And the Rockets are also looking at Tom Thibodeau and Jeff Van Gundy as possible candidates. So can you share with us if you have any some insight into what is going on with the Rockets and Dan Tony? And what is the likelihood that we will see a coaching change this offseason?
0: Yeah, so obviously uh Sam Emick, you know, the OG as I call him, he he came on our podcast. And he divulged, you know, that apart from Tom Thibodeau, another name that he had heard repeatedly was Jeff Van Gundy. And if you remember going back to 2016, you know, before Dan Tony was hired, if you remember, the Rockets had a huge pool of candidates. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tibbs name was there, Jeff Van Gundy's name was there, you know, Kenny Smith's name was there. So obviously with this season, the number one thing has been, you know, his contract situation because Despite what anybody has said, you know that they love him, they want to keep him. He doesn't have a contract for next season, and the summer was so public and messy, and it was just he said, she said, and it was just a whole mess. So the yeah, fact that, that the fact that things didn't get pieced up then, it was kind of clear that you know the writings on the wall that this thing has kind of run its course. So I think, me personally. I, I thought that there was, I think there was a point in the season when I thought he would just leave. Um, if you remember when they were losing like really badly, it was like five out of six or something like that. And the team was just broken. Mm-hmm. I remember they had, I had, I, I remember um, they had the team, the team. We team um, had yeah, the team meeting in the locker room, you know, rest is going off and I just thought that it was it. But, you know, they, they somehow recovered They bounced back. But now the the, the thing about this hiatus is that a lot of stuff can come back to the surface. And this situation has has been, you know, the primary thing that has come back to the surface. And I just think that honestly, if if you ask me, I think that once this summer comes, I I just think that they're going in a different direction. I just think that's run its course. Personally, Mm. personally, me, I love Mike. If anybody's been around him, He's a great guy to talk to. He's one of the best coaches in the league as far as just being a real down-to-earth person. But when you come to a team like this who are a finals or bust team and you don't get to the finals after four or five years, I think that, you know, they might just go in a different direction. Now, anything can change. um, But this is just my personal belief. Obviously, it's up to... D'Antoni and Fertitta and Daryl to work something out. But as it stands to me, I think next season you could be looking at a different head coach on the Rocket sidelines.
1: Do you believe that this suspension in some cases can actually help D'Antoni to return for at least another season? Because let's say if the NBA doesn't return, there are still a lot of unanswered questions, not only for the Rockets, but the NBA as a whole – In some ways, can that actually help his case to come back? Because I do remember the time when they had that whole little debacle going on and, you know, Russell Westbrook was in there and they had the little team meetings and stuff. That was actually before they actually went all out on the small ball situation. Now, prior to the suspension, they had lost, I believe it was like four or five games in a row, but they actually had like a seven- or eight-game winning streak prior to that, and they actually look really, really good. So they, they're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, if you ask me.
0: Yeah, and it's a good thing you brought up because – so there's a scenario in my head where I believe that he can come back. Obviously, if they cancel the season, you know, you only gave him about 15 games with, with, the, with the small ball lineup, mm-hmm. if that, because, um, you know, according to them – their small ball didn't really really start until they got Covington. So yeah, um, that's the best way to judge, you know, how the team's going to look going forward. So I think there's there's a world where, so let's say that they cancel the season. I think the organization will say, okay, it's kind of unfair to you, you know, to cut this thing short. Granted that we that they made all those moves. You know, to to give him the tools he wants to to play the small ball he wants, uh, I think it would be only fair to, you know, give him an extended run of games, like a full season, and really see if that's how they want to play. Um, but yeah, I do think that this this hiatus, it could it's a double-edged sword. It it could it could go it could go either way. Like, there's obviously the, the, the thought process that says, uh, yeah, let's scrap this, go back traditional you know, get a a new voice in here. And there's a thought process that says, you know, let's stick with Mike. He's been our most successful, you know, coach in a long time. And and let's see how it goes. So it's really two schools of thought, you know, if you think about what this hiatus, you know, brings to the table.
1: And that's the most interesting part to me about this whole possibility of a coaching change is the way this roster is currently constructed because you're looking at a coach in Tom Thibodeau and Jeff Van Gundy this roster does not fit the mold and the style of play they like to teach. And both of these coaches are hard-nosed, defensive-minded coaches um, right. who normally builds around a traditional-skilled big man. I mean, hell, we saw Jeff Van Gundy and what he was able to do with Yao Ming for, what, four or five years in Houston, and what Tom Thibodeau was able to do in Minnesota with Car Anthony right. Town. If the Rockets decide to hire one of these two coaches or are going a different direction and hire any coach not named Mike D'Antoni do you believe we will see another shakeup in the roster? The only coach I believe that can take this team the way it is built now and take them to a championship contending team is Mike D'Antoni. That's the only coach that I can see actually can use what they currently have.
0: Yeah, so... I think um, this head coaching situation is is the first domino. If it does happen then I think you'll see, you know, a new era in, in Houston. You know, a new – a new because a new coach like Tibbs or Van Gundy isn't not going to want to play with all guys 6'6 six, six and under. You know, this is not, they've never done that before. It's, it's not going to happen. So I think it's reasonable to expect that if Mike does leave, there's going to be a lot more changes, you know, in the, in the team just to to fit the new coach or, or what have you. but it all depends on what they do with Mike. And, and I think it goes, it goes to show you the importance of a head coach and the team, not only to immediate contending, but to the future and team building and, and stuff like that down the road. So it's, it's going to be a tricky one for sure.
1: Now, Kelly, let me ask you this because of course you have more insight and knowledge to this team, you know, more than I do. I'm going I'm to I'm come up. I'm at the bottom of the total poll, but, um, If there is a shakeup in this roster, what tradable piece can the Rockets offer to any team to at least try to acquire a
0: big? Um, I think the biggest trade piece you have is Eric Gordon. Um, Not only because he's still thirty-one, if his injury days are behind him, he's still a quality scorer, a quality defender, passer. He he's a starter on most teams, Um, and his contract is at a place where you can move it for some value. You know. Um, I think I saw something on Twitter um, where they had pitched Gordon to, I think, Philadelphia or something for Al Hofer. It was some, it was some mm. hypothetical trade trip but But something like that could work, you know, just from the standpoint of if the Rockets want to big and they decide that they want to move on from Eric Gordon and maybe give him, you know, some more, you know, freedom, then something like that could work. But I, I think Eric Gordon is their biggest trade ship. Because everyone else is pretty much locked in, uh, apart from Tucker, who's going to be 35. Um, Covington, who's, who they traded a starting big team. So he's not going to <laughs> Yeah, so I think Gordon is your, is your um, easiest uh, piece to move. You know,
1: I would hate to see Gordon leave, but if it means they can add some size, I think i will be okay with that. Now, the one guy I always wanted to see the Rockets pair with Harden, possibly ever since 2014, is Kevin Love. Now, I know he is not your prototypical traditional big man, especially when you're talking about bringing in a coach like Tom Thibodeau or Jeff Van Gundy. But his game will fit well with this team. Of course, he would be a great piece to add just for his rebounding aspects alone. But he is someone who can continue to space the floor, given his ability to shoot the three ball. Plus, I believe him and Harden will create an awesome pick and pop duo. Wouldn't you agree?
0: Yeah, uh, if you're going off a you know a, pure, a purely small ball standpoint, if they want to keep playing the style, I think Kevin Love would be you know a quote unquote perfect fit. Um, but other guys like Horford, you know, I'm trying to think right now, LaMarcus Aldridge. There, there, there are guys that if you want to go big, Serge Baca, you know, there are guys that, that are out there if you want to get some more size on this team. Mm-hmm. And if you choose to go that route, you do have some flexibility to do so. I wouldn't say they have as much as they would like to in the past, but, you know, they still have some way and, and we all know Daryl Morey can get creative when he wants to. So mm-hmm. if it ever, if it ever came down to a Kevin Love or a player of that ilk, I think more would have the way to get it done.
1: Kelly Eco Rockets beat reporter for the Athletic here on Believe in the Rockets. Kelly, let's switch gears here and talk about the league as a whole and the possibility of them returning to finish the season. Now, the night that this situation happened in Oklahoma City due to the coronavirus, the Rockets possibly had just landed or they was on their way to Los Angeles when they got word that the NBA season was suspended because they was gearing up for their... Thursday night matchup against the Los Angeles Lakers in Los Angeles, which means you were possibly, if not, had just landed in LA. Am I correct?
0: Yeah, but actually, funny story. So that morning, I had a hunch. I don't know what, I don't know what told me, but something told me to, to cancel my trip. So you canceled and, it ahead of time. Yeah, I canceled it in the I canceled the morning because I had a flight at like twelve, mm-hmm. and I canceled it at like ten o'clock because I just something didn't feel right to me. I was like, mm. I, I'm not sure if these games are going to go on. You know, the way this thing is growing, like even being in, cause I, cause the last place I was, was in New York. And I remember after the game, it was about 50 people in the scrum. And I, I didn't want any parts of that. I was so off, <laughs> far off to the side. Yeah, Cause I'm like, bro, this thing is spreading and people are not taking it seriously. And I remember being in the airport, being one of the only people wearing a mask and and everybody, you know, pointing their fingers and looking at me like I'm crazy. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and now, if you go to the airport now, if you're not if you're not wearing a mask, you're the crazy one. And, and yeah, I just think that you know when everything started, obviously it's a it means different things for different teams because, you know, if you like the Rockets, you kind of were kind of happy because, you know, you had lost four or five, even though you beat the Timberwolves. It's it's the Timberwolves. Mm -hmm. You know, the last real game you you played, you got smacked off the floor by the Clippers, who looked really good. Yeah. And you were already, you know, tied for sixth place, or tied for fifth place. But the Mavericks are only a game and a half behind you. And um, for other teams like Dallas, who are coming up, Denver, the Lakers, who are starting to gel, it means different things for different people. So, honestly, this whole... The, the the first day that you know the NBA was getting canceled, you know obviously we're you know mad because our jobs you know we love the game but safety is important and and that's the number one thing and uh that should be everyone's focus right now. Mm.
1: You know your story is kind of similar to mine. I wasn't on my way to Los Angeles, but um you know with me covering University of Houston basketball, I was actually preparing to go to Dallas, which that Thursday because Krugers they was going to play that Friday in the American Athletic Conference and I got up Tuesday and after I went to the Rockets media session the last media session they had before all this happened on my way back home and I just just kept thinking to myself like one I don't feel like these games are going to be played and two I don't want to go to Dallas and risk any potential exposure I might have to the virus. And then, you know, either I get sick or come back and get my wife sick or my grandma or anybody. So I canceled my hotel that night and then, boom, NCAA pulled the plug on everything. But, wait, wait, oh, Cody, Cody, do you say your wife? Yeah, I got a wife, you know? Bro, I did not know that. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, man, I got a wife. named Angelica. We're actually coming up on our two-year anniversary in wow, June. I think it's June 9th. Thanks,
0: man. Thanks. You find out something new every day.
1: <laughs> now, here we are on May 11th, and a few teams have just reopened their practice facilities last Friday. The Rockets came out and said they will delay their reopening until May 18th based on the Texans' governor decision. Um, what kind of challenges do you believe the NBA will face with their attempt to finish out the season? And given take all these different scenarios and trying to get the NBA back, do you believe it's even worth the risk?
0: Uh, honestly no I don't think it's worth the risk because think about like this you have 30 teams in the NBA right there's 30 cities where where they play that's 30 different you know good governments who have different guidelines and different health codes Mm -hmm. no one knows about this virus completely all the way you know it could look like it's plateauing the next day you might see 200 new cases you might see you know 10 new deaths. Like, this thing is spreading like a wildfire. So, I I think the, the more eager you are to reopen stuff, businesses, you know, hotels, restaurants, the worse it will be for everyone else. Now, like, I think, like, I know you've seen the protests in California, you've mm-hmm. seen the protests in, in D.C. Like, it's, it's disgusting because Yeah, it's, it's stupid. Like, honestly, people are being selfish. Like, everyone wants to be outside. Yeah, th- th- that's a no-brainer. But this is the time you have to sacrifice right now to, so we can enjoy later. And I think as a, as far as teams are considered, you know, I've even talked to some players who who wouldn't be so keen to just rush back to the facility, you know, because you don't know who's been around who. This thing is can spread. It's not really clear how it's spreading. You know, if it's perfect, like person to person, it can spread in the air, you know, just by touching. A lot of things are unknown. So I, mm-hmm. I think... It's best to take things very seriously, and only move off of what the government, the CDC says. I don't think it should be left up to the teams, because cause once you do that, you know teams are not going to follow code. Like if if they say no more than four people there, there's no way to enforce that. Yeah, you know, so you're putting people at risk. So I think the best thing to do is to stay home, and just ride it out. Yeah, man, and. Everything that you
1: just said, I one hundred percent agree with you because to me, yes, I love this sport. I love this league just as much as you and whoever might be listening to this podcast but it's it's just too much at risk here it's just, it's the stakes are just too high because I'm thinking about it from a standpoint of you not only do you got to take into consideration the players you and, and the coaches but you also got to take a take a look at the team personnel the the people who work with this organization behind the scenes and I know they talked about creating a bubble for players in, in an attempt to try to get this season going again. But my thing is, if one player gets it, it spreads. God forbid if that happens, that will look bad for the league. It's going to have a ripple effect on every other sports organization around the world. And then everything's going to go back to square one. So I'm glad that you said that, man, and I 100% agree with you. I think the season should be canceled start fresh in November, December, whatever they're trying to do. I mean, I think Christmas Day is a pretty good, fun time to get the NBA season back if they want to change the schedule that way. But just cancel it, man. Just cancel it. But Kelly, before I let you go, man, have you been keeping up with the Last Dance, the Jordan documentary? If so, what are your thoughts around it? Yeah,
0: for sure. Uh, Well, wow. I got a lot of thoughts on this. So (laughs) (laughs) I think off the bat, I appreciate what they've uh tried to do. You know, well, they've successfully getting, gotten everyone together in front of the TV watching some form of sports. So, mm-hmm. credit to them, credit is due. I do think that the dual timeline thing is not working. It it's confusing for some people. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's it's a hard thing to do, trying to tell two timelines at once. Yeah. You know, going back and giving backstory, then also just talking about the the actual last dance, which is the 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 last championship. I do think that it's it's had its moments. Obviously, the Scottie Pippen stuff, the Dennis Rodman stuff, uh, Isaiah Thomas, the Bad Boys, the Celtics, all that. I would give it if I was to give it a grade. I would give it a. I'll give it a B plus. B
1: plus. Mm, I, nice I give it a B
0: plus just from the fact that the plus is is, is you know, they've had incredible viewership since it started. Um, and you could tell that people were desperately looking for something to watch. I've seen people on ESPN looking at dog competitions, you know, <laughs> all sorts of stuff in the house. It's, it's been some nonsense, but I credit The, the Last Dance for, uh, you know, sticking itself out there and, and trying to move its date up, because you know, it was supposed to come out in the summer.
1: Yeah, I remember that. It's it was supposed to come out <clears throat> right after the finals, as a matter of fact. And... Yeah, it was,
0: yeah, it was supposed to come out after the finals, but they they made the choice to move it up, and 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 that's brave. So obviously, something like this, there's always going to be you know some other opinions, some backlash. But I think for the most part, they've done a good job.
1: Mm. I I
0: understand what you're saying about the timeline. Me personally,
1: I kind of liked it because I kind of expected it was going to be like that. You know, they be from '98, then they go all the way back to 1982 when you talk about Jordan in his college days. The only time the timeline confused me. Was when they talked about Dennis Rodman, and it was like they went from ninety eight to ninety one with him leaving the Pistons. Then they jumped back to the Bad Boys. Then they went to him <laughs> joining the bull. That was the only time the timeline yeah. thing was confusing to me. But yeah. my biggest takeaway of this, I I love greatness. I I truly do love greatness. That's probably one of the reasons why Michael Jackson is my favorite entertainer celebrity period of all time.
0: Okay,
1: and. I've always been fascinated about how and why the Chicago Bulls dynasty ended because it never made sense to me. Six championships in a span of eight years. But yet after the last one, everybody just went their separate ways. To see a general manager in Jerry Crouch kill the dynasty makes absolutely no sense to me because I'm every time I I hear his name and and I heard his name before but I just never really paid attention to how important he was to the story because when I used to hear this kind of stuff prior to this documentary I used to be like there's no way in hell a general manager whose job it is to not only build a championship team but this man built a dynasty destroy a team due to his ego and I'm, I'm just sitting here and I'm like, there's no way in hell I could picture Daryl Morey after all the stuff he has been through with this team since 2007, 2008, whenever it was when he came, to finally build a championship. He ended up building a dynasty and then one day he wake up and say, ah, you know what, Mike, James, Russ, I don't care if you guys go 82-0, and no, this is the last season. After this, everybody's <laughs> going to get this. Like, that just don't make sense to me. And I'm
0: just like, how can a general manager do this? Well, well, you know, with the whole crowd situation and God rest his soul, you know, these things really only show us how much they want to show us. Mm -hmm. Especially Jordan. Yeah, there there are a lot of dynamics and ego that goes into a head coach, a GM, and a star player. There's a whole complex, twisted relationship that some people won't ever understand. So while Krause has been, you know, portrayed as a bad guy, I, I do think it's kind of unfair. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Phil Jackson said his part. Michael Jordan said his part. Scottie Pippen, for sure, said his part. Um, I just think it's more complex than than the eye tells us, and I, I do think it's best to just take things as a, as a whole. You know, everything that you see on that documentary is not going to be a hundred percent fact just because it's somebody's it's somebody telling a story you know and most times stories only don't incorporate both sides and Krauss is not here to say his part you know that would have mm-hmm. been great if if, if kraus was somehow on this planet still alive we everybody could have heard you know his side of the story because who knows he might have a totally different account of what happened you never know mm-hmm. so we have to take don't take everything oh i don't take everything for face value. Um, but I will say, uh, uh, Kraus, it's it's an incredibly tough job in that situation to manage all those egos and have to consistently put a, a competitive team on the floor because his job is to improve the roster. And if teams call, you know, he has to answer. He can't say, I'm not going to take your call because I don't want to. I, you won't be doing your job. Yeah. And I think when when he was asked the question about Scottie Pippen's trade and he answered it honestly, I think Scottie Pippen took offense to that when he shouldn't have because this is a business, you know? Obviously, if you're around a team a lot, five, six years, you you become a family. But at the end of the day, people are going to do what's best for themselves, you know? So you have to learn how to separate business from pleasure. Mm. And there's pleasure in winning championships, but there's business and also willing and dealing. So I just think it was a complex thing that only those guys can can say the actual truth of what's going on. And as long as we don't have Krause here to tell his side, I can't just take Pippin and Phil's words as, you know, hundred percent truth.
1: Yeah, yeah. You got a point. Um before I let you go real quick, you know, last night they touched on Jordan's first retirement. <laughs> do you or do you not Believe the Rockets would have still won at least one title against Jordan and the Bulls if they would
0: have met up in the finals. Um, I think they could have won one. Um, maybe mm-hmm. not two, but I don't. I don't subscribe to the notion that um, the Bulls would have won eight straight. This, this is no nonsense. hell. No, this is nonsense. And he did come back when they came back. They got waxed by Orlando, so it's mm-hmm. not. It's not. It's not. It's not to say, um. They would have just whitewashed the whole league because, after a while, there's this thing called championship fatigue, and you see, look at the Warriors. They and you, they got it in year four. Like after a while, you get tired of one. You get sick of seeing the same people every day, hearing the same nonsense. You know the same complaints. It just gets tiresome. The league is the season is long as hell already, but when you have to uh, factor in, you know, dealing with all these millionaires who want things for themselves and. Have separate agendas. It, it's it's a whole hassle. So, I, I think the Rockets could have won one just based off the fact that the Bulls had championship fatigue and and the Rockets were hungry. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, yeah, and I and I agree with you, man. I, I
1: do. I've been saying that the Rockets would have at least won one, and that one probably would have came in '94 because I actually did a post last week and when they played against the Bulls, doing that doing. That first three-peat, they actually beat the Bulls five out of the six times. They had Scottie Pippen on lock. Scottie Pippen averaged somewhere around 14 to 15 point shooting, like 30% from the field. And just like Michael Jordan said, there was no answer for Hakeem Olajuwon. And most of my work, I've been doing a lot of Rockets history. I'm under the belief, I don't care what nobody say, Olajuwon is by far the most skillful and greatest skit center of all time. Look back at his numbers. Look at what he was able to do on the court. That—that's just my opinion, <laughs> but um, it's been a pleasure speaking to you, Kelly. And um, before I let you go, can you please tell the listeners where they could find you?
0: Yeah. So, um, Instagram, Twitter, it's Kelly Eco. That's I K O Kelly with two L's, Eco I K O, and then NBA. So Kelly Eco NBA. Twitter, Instagram, hit me up whenever. As long as I'm not writing. But yeah, hit me up. (laughs) (laughs) All
1: right, man. Thanks. It's been a pleasure speaking to you, bro. Thanks for having me on, bro. Once again, that was Kelly Eco Rockets beat writer for The Athletic. Man, regardless of what happens to this season, it's going to be interesting to see what is going to happen between the Rockets, Mike D'Antoni, and his whole coaching situation as a whole. Me personally, due to the NBA season coming to a halt, I do believe the Rockets should, if if he wants to come back, the Rockets and Mike D'Antoni should at least give it one more go. And if this is the end of Mike D'Antoni, my question will be, how would you remember the D'Antoni era in Houston? And what would you rank him amongst the best or worst coaches in franchise history? Me personally, I would say Dan Tony is possibly the second best coach in Rockets history right behind Rudy Tomjanovich. And I only say that due to the fact that if it wasn't for a hamstring, Mike D'Antoni's era in Houston would have brought a championship. He took James Harden from a superstar to an elite MVP all time great level. But that just brings him back to another point due to that hamstring and even due to this COVID-19 situation. The D'Antoni era is just going to be remembered as another "what if in Rockets history. That concludes another installment of Believe in the Rockets. As always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at CodyDavis underscore 24. That's Cody, C-O-T-Y, D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. And as always, please remember to subscribe to Believe in the Rockets on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and all of your favorite podcast streaming services. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.